Welcome back to Camden Cast, your Baltimore Orioles podcast from CamdenChat.com. Joining you once again, I am Mark Brown, Eat More SK on Camden Chat. My partner in crime, Andrew Gibson, is along for the ride tonight as always. Andrew, how are we feeling tonight? Well, I have a little bit of a cold and I've been watching the Orioles play, but other than that, everything is 100%. Well... If the worst in life is the Orioles, then I guess that's a pretty good sign. But speaking of... Uh, debatable. I suppose that's true enough, because the Orioles are pretty bad. We're, in fact, don't hate us for being faithless recording this as the Orioles are playing the Blue Jays on Thursday, July the 28th. They're losing 8-4. to four. We don't have a very good expectation of the last uh, two innings, but you've probably seen that game for yourselves and you know exactly why it was bad but let's move <laughs> on to some things that are disappointing us probably number one is yesterday's news about or the day before the Kobe rasmus trade from st louis to toronto because it just throws into stark relief the fact that the orioles either could not or would not ever pull off that kind of heist and that just bums me out that and the weird thing is or not weird, uh, infuriating thing is that what St. Louis got for Colby Rasmus, the Orioles could easily have made a better offer and gotten him if, if they wanted him. Um, the Cardinals got primarily Edwin Jackson for two months and relief help. Right. The trade, let's Patterson. see, the trade was... Coming, well, first, her, Toronto had to trade Chicago to get Edwin Jackson, and they also took on Mark Tian's contract, which is kind of a, well, not an albatross, because it's not that big, but it, he's, it's he's not, not going to contribute to them, but he's only like $7 million or something. So oh once, once they had Edwin Jackson, like an hour later, they traded St. Louis, and they sent Jackson... Um, Mark... Rup- oh, I never could say this dude's name. Mark, Rupins- <laughs> Mark Rupinski... Sinski, uh, Octavio Dotel, both relievers, and Corey Patterson, which if you're trading Corey Patterson for anything, you've pulled off a minor coup. And they got in return Colby Rasmus from St. Louis, along with some other dudes. Uh, Trevor Miller, I guess, is the... DJ Walters. Um, who was described yeah. as an organizational arm, and then Brian Tallett is actually on the disabled list right now or something. So it, it was... Rasmus for Jackson and relievers, um, and also Mark Tian. Um, although, you know, to be fair, the Orioles couldn't do all of that because, you know, they, they don't probably have don't have a whole lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, they could have easily offered Guthrie and Koji, and if we want to match the Corey Patterson part of it, Felix P.A., uh, all of whom are guys that have been talked about trading or, in PA's case, just outright releasing. Um, and, you know, that – and probably you'd have to throw in Jim Johnson to match the, the double reliever thing. And then you'd have Colby Rasmus, who's under team control forever. And basically. Yeah, Colby Rasmus inexplicably just fell out of favor in St. Louis. Honestly, from the outside, I don't understand what that's about because even if there were attitude problems, last year he hit 276 with a 361 on base, 498 slugging. That'd have to be pretty serious attitude for me to uh, 
feel like that was not a guy I wanted on my baseball team. Yeah, and this was a year after the Blue Jays did the same thing with Yunel Escobar, trading Alex Gonzalez to the Braves for Escobar straight up. And Escobar this year is hitting a 310 average with a 389 on base, 447 slugging. Like, he would have to be a really big pain in the butt in the clubhouse to, to not be worth having with those types of numbers. But so, they didn't like him in Atlanta for whatever reason. I think he was in Bobby Cox's doghouse. So I guess the consistent thing there is crotchety old managers. Uh, Tony LaRusso and Bobby Cox just didn't like the guys. And, uh, well... Alex Anthopoulos was sitting there in Toronto waiting to uh, pull off a little steal. And uh, he's done it two years running now. And that's, well, it's frustrating because we have to be better than the Blue Jays if we're ever going to be any good. And uh, I wrote about this a little bit today, sort of in a roundabout way. But when I heard about the trade yesterday or um, on on, um, Wednesday, My first thought that has stuck with me is that this is the exact type of thing that it's why the Orioles will never be any good in this division. Uh, The four guys ahead of them, the four teams, the four general managers are all better than them. They're, They're better on the field right now and they're better at acquiring players and trading players and, signing the right players and I have no idea how the Orioles are supposed to beat them with, with their current philosophies. Yes. In, in mind. They would have to drastically change the way or the way, at least that I perceive that they do their business. And Alex Anthopoulos has to be some kind of wizard because he just pulls off trades like these, and then you've got unloading the Vernon Wells contract, which is unbelievable. Then he even does stuff like last offseason, he traded for Miguel Olivo just to tender him a contract and have him decline arbitration, so they got a draft pick for a guy who never even played a game for the Blue Jays. And you know, you know the Orioles would that's not even inside the scope of the way they think. Right. This, they were giving away draft picks right. to sign relievers. Well, a reliever, but you, you, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, if if Kevin Gregg had cost them a draft pick, that wouldn't have stopped them from signing him, I think. No, I don't think it would have, since they overpaid for him as it was anyway. I, yeah. I really don't think a, a draft pick would have been enough to turn them off. And the weird thing with Kevin Gregg is I, I read or, or listened to um, uh, I, I listened to Andy McPhail was on, I think, Sirius, some baseball show. And he talked about how the bullpen's been struggling. A lot of the teams been struggling and they feel like the games that they can give to. And, and he specifically mentioned Koji, Jim Johnson and Kevin Gregg. Those are the games that he he's he feels good about and. That they can't, they can't get to those three guys with a lead. It's like one of these is not like the other. Kevin Gray with a uh, what the heck is his whip right now? One point five six whip. He's walking six batters per nine innings, giving up over one home run per nine innings. Ugh. 
it's yeah, it's not good. So, so with the under with the understanding that the trade deadline coming up and the Orioles have no kind of creativity to get good deals, uh, there's still some guys who may end up finding themselves traded. So, for instance, do you give much chance to Jeremy Guthrie being traded? Not really, but I I do sort of want to disagree. The the Orioles make good trades, like Tejada for Wynn Pelzer is a great trade. Um, the Brett Jacobson and Joe, Joe um, Jim Hoey for J.J. Hardy is an outstanding trade. Mark Reynolds was also a good trade acquisition. Yeah, if they can ever figure out how to not play him at third base. Right, well, be a that, lot that's better. another story entirely. Um, it's just they don't make the types of creative trades that really amount to any anything really great um not anymore i mean, you know win pelzer that's that's a nothing to trade he's like a he's a bullpen arm maybe in a few years right um, like the this first Tejada trade and the Bidar trade and it's i we talked about this on a previous podcast it's like andy mcphail is still kind of resting on his laurels just from those trades Right. So, but he he's a good trader. He seems to get really good value for the guys he gives up. But I think in this particular trade season, that's sort of working against him in my mind because I just I can't see people giving up the types of packages that he's talking about in the press for Koji or, or Guthrie or anybody. Right. Like many people have reported, they're basically looking for major league ready starter to get rid of Jeremy Guthrie. But it's like, um, if as I think it was Craig Calcaterra on Twitter said, well, if you've got a major league ready starter, why are you trading for Jeremy Guthrie to begin with? Right. And, you know, that's not to take away from Guthrie, who's a pretty good pitcher. I like Jeremy just... Guthrie. He's done great on the Orioles. He's not having his greatest season this year, but I mean, he's had a lot of hard luck games um, but yeah like that's just and then to, to throw something else like worth having on top of that that's uh, it's it's not happening it's just it's not not going to happen i don't think there's just a glut of anything that the orioles have to offer there's so many other guys that are just on the market so they're not going to get a great offer even for somebody like probably koji uohara who all the local media seem to think is the most likely to be traded but uh you know what somebody can just go get some other guy, and why do they need to pay whatever Andy's asking for Koji? I don't and know. if if Andy wants to lower his asking price, then it's it is sort of getting close to the well, why trade him if the return is going to be a guy like Brett Jacobson? Where you know I like Brett Jacobson. I only got to see him pitch once. Um, and now he's gone. But well, you're way more familiar with Brett Jacobson than me because I didn't even know that name before he was traded. So, but uh, he was the Orioles traded Huff to the Tigers for Jacobson. Um, that's where he came from, right? And then he left. Um, but but he's he's a nothing guy, you know. He's a relief arm at the major league level, maybe in a couple of years. Uh, that's just it's. Like, I mean, just keep Koji. Uh, you can, and it's also worth acknowledging there's the upcoming winter and next trade deadline to cash in on some of these guys too. Yes, 
and even Koji. Koji could come around next year if he's having a good game because he's right. going to have a four million option that's probably going to vest uh, tonight. He's appeared in his forty second game. The option vests at fifty five games. Koji, the delicate flower jokes are really not seeming to apply this year. He's uh, he's seemed pretty durable. He's you know. Oh, he's been so good. Yeah, he's 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 been amazing. And uh, I mean that's the uh, the rims on a. Uh beat up junk car with no engine, but he, he's been really, really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I just, I don't, I can't see, I can't picture, I, I'm looking into my mind's eye and I just can't picture a, a major deal happening with this team this year, unless they decide suddenly to, to trade guys like Adam Jones and Nick Marcakis and yeah. I mean, do you see that that happening? No, and I think we would be getting the buzz about that from the likes of Jeff Z or Rakubatko if the Orioles were thinking about that, and you know that that would make headlines if the Orioles were thinking about kind of pressing down the TNT. Uh, <laughs> but of plunger, course, if you know? they were if they were planning on doing that, then why didn't they trade Guthrie and and then to get Rasmus so that they would have the young, good center fielder under team control for a while. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, they're either A, not going to do anything serious, or B, going to look wildly inconsistent. Well, um, you know, the Orioles are wildly inconsistent, I think, philosophically at times, so. What are we going to do other than get frustrated? But speaking speaking of frustrating and wildly consistent things about the Orioles, uh, we wanted to talk about platoon splits and specifically how the Orioles sometimes seem to have utterly no awareness of them and other times they do, and this is a bit of a mystery. Like we saw this in evidence in last night's game. That's true. Uh Wednesday night's game. Yes, Wednesday night's game. That's right. Um, when, and the big news was Nolan Reimold sat because Ricky Romero is apparently tougher against right-handed batters than left-handed batters, which is questionable. Um, his fielding independence stats seem to suggest maybe not, but at the same time, righty batters are hitting less than lefty batters. But, you know, when it comes down to it, when your lefty batter is Felix P.A. and your righty batter is Nolan Reimold, the, the platoon split becomes sort of meaningless. It, it, it's to take the far extreme, not that I'm comparing the, these two players to these other two players, but just to take the far, far extreme. It'd be like sitting Babe Ruth in order for... Cesar Asturias to back to get the. Oh, that's about the ultimate hyperbolic statement you could yeah. have pulled out. Or, or, or it, it's like the Simpsons episode where uh, Daryl Strawberry was playing on the softball team and he had hit six home runs that day. And then Mr. Burns put Homer in to pinch hit for him to get the lefty righty matchup. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's, there's just there's no reason to play Felix PA if you're saying we're doing this because of platoon splits. And at the same time, um, the Orioles switch hitter, Matt Wieters, was allowed to continue batting right-handed, even though the platoon splits were supposed to be important. Although, 
and we're sort of starting to get a little cross-eyed here. Matt Wieters, as a right-handed batter in 2011, is much, much, much better of a hitter than as a left-handed batter. Although, that's the opposite of his career, where he's better as a left-handed right. batter. So, what, so, yeah, what are you going to make of that? I don't know, but... But, it's you know, if, if it, it, it just... It seems to me like the Orioles are, to take the optimistic point of view, they're looking for any excuse they can find, no matter how shallow, to play Felix PA on any given day. And that is something I do not understand anymore. I thought a couple of years ago PA was going to turn into at least a good, decent sort of everyday player. And I mean that just didn't happen, and that ship has sailed. And, and I it was thought- fitting that like in the first inning of Wednesday night's game, a ball was just kind of lined out and bounced in front of him, and Felix picked up the ball. He was going to throw it into home plate because there was a runner heading in, and he just like threw the ball onto the ground right in front of him. Like it slipped out of his hand. I don't know. How does a ball slip out of your hand on AstroTurf? It's not like it was, you know, it rained and the grass was wet. It was AstroTurf. I mean, there's just, there's no realistic situation for Felix PA to finish this season, the, the last two months of the season, good enough for him to still be on the Orioles next season. There's, there's just no way that's going to happen. He would literally have to hit like an MVP candidate from here to the end of the season. Felix right now has like the worst Fangraphs wins above replacement in Major League Baseball, I think. He's at negative 1.8, and that's with only 146 plate appearances. Well, the defense has been atrocious. Yes. And the hitting's been atrocious. Yes. It's a double and, whammy. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, he's making a million dollars, and they can cut that in half by non-tendering him and having Matt Angle. And then we can next year we can talk about why is Matt Angle playing instead of Nolan Ryan? Why is Matt Angle batting leadoff instead of J.J. Hardy is what we'll be talking about next year, I guess. Due to some technical difficulties with our hosts at SB Nation, we've actually had to split this podcast into two parts. Uh, we have about 20 minutes more of content in part two where we keep talking about platoon splits and other organizational inconsistencies. And also, we talk about why we hate the Yankees, which is always good for material. So hopefully you will join us there. This is Camden Cast. We're out for now.